Hey, it's Anna Sale, and I want to thank you for listening to Death, Sex, and Money, where I explore the big questions and hard choices that are often left out of polite conversation. You can hear new episodes ad-free every week on Amazon Music, where you can find Death, Sex, and Money and all of your Slate favorites without the ads. I want to thank you for listening and for all your support as we at Death, Sex, and Money have made our move to Slate. Your stories, voice memos, and emails have meant so much to the team. As part of this transition, there's a new way to support our show financially at Slate, our new home. And you'll get something special in return. Subscribe to Slate Plus, and you'll not only support our work on death, sex, and money, you'll get access to new benefits, including listening to us and all of the other great shows Slate makes, like Slow Burn and Dakota Ring, without any ads or sponsor breaks. To subscribe, just click Try Free at the top of the Death, Sex, and Money show page on Apple Podcasts or visit slate.com slash DSM plus to get access wherever you listen. Thanks. Yo, 2020. Holy. This is Death, Sex, and Money. The show from WNYC about the things we think about a lot and need to talk about more. I'm Anna Sale. And we are doing something different this week. This episode is about things we've thought a lot about and talked about a lot as we have made it through this wild year. This time a year ago, I was just back from a packed work trip to New York City, where I jammed my days with lunch dates, in-person meetings, crowded subway rides, holiday parties, and a fun-filled recording with the entire Death, Sex, and Money team, where we were stuffed in a studio together in New York. Well, one positive thing we can say about 2020, I didn't have to do many work trips. The show saved some money on our travel budget, but we also had some expenses that we did not expect like a conference call line that wouldn't crash, and what we now call the magic cord, which allows me to record conversations through my smartphone. We did a lot with that magic cord. In 2020, we wanted to show up for you, be with you, so we made many more episodes this year than we ever have before. When, like a lot of companies and businesses, there was less money coming in to WNYC, our home station. So for this year-end episode, I didn't get to be all together with the team in a studio, but I talked with each producer one-on-one over Zoom about what we made and how we made it. And we'll catch you up on how some of the people you met this year have been doing since we last heard from them. As you listen, think about if you can donate to what we do here at Death, Sex, and Money. We've heard from many of you about how this year is more challenging financially than ever, so we get it if you can't. But if you are someone who has some extra money at the end of the year to put towards things that you believe in and want to support, we hope you'll go to deathsexmoney.org slash donate and make a year-end contribution. You'll be supporting this incredible community of all our listeners, including those who don't have any left to give at the end of this tough year. Go to deathsexmoney.org slash donate and give what you can. I want to bring in Annabelle Bacon, producer for Death, Sex, and Money, Annabelle, hello. Hello. You know, when I think about the sort of role that you've had on our small but mighty team, I think of you as the person who has really pushed us to 
tell stories in, in new and different ways. Like, do you think of your work in that way? I hope so. I mean, I've definitely felt pushed and I felt like I'm learning new things as we've all sort of adapted to what the show can sound like this year. I mean, I think early on, one of the things that gave me a lot of comfort just in my own life was the sort of hearing from listeners in the inbox and staying in touch with people um, in the audience as we were all going through these huge changes. Uh, And I remember early on, we got a great suggestion from a listener who said, hey, you remember all of those spreadsheets that you do with us? Can we do one that's a toolkit for getting through all of this together? Mm. Um, It was such a good idea. And we ended up making it and watching that in the early weeks of the pandemic fill up with suggestions of, you know, things to do, things to watch, things to cook. I think there's even a tab that's things to think about or sort of say to yourself to keep grounded during all Mm -hmm. of this. It, Mm -hmm. it was just so, I mean, it was special because the idea came from a listener. And for me, it really felt just like something to find out what are the sort of unexpected ways we can be helpful, hopefully helpful to people. You know, I I loved that pandemic toolkit too, and I still look back mm-hmm. on it every so often. Like, what should I cook tonight? Um, but I I I also love the way that it pushed us to one of my other favorite things we did this year, which was um, that prompted a listener to say to us, you know, not all of us are having this experience of being at home and having everything taken away. A lot of us still have to report for work, and we have a lot of things that we need too. We need a toolkit on our own, um, and that led to this incredible episode that you worked on. Yeah, the essential workers episode. Um, It was really, I remember we made the episode really quickly. We put the question out maybe on a a Friday or something. And we said, if you're still going in right now, if you're still working out in the world, what is it that you need? And I remember sort of opening up the inbox frequently over that weekend after we put the question out and just sort of listening to voice memo after voice memo. And it was so clear that listeners had something really important to say. And one of my favorite voice memos that we got, I want to play a little bit of tape from. Um, It's a listener named Jackson who called in. He works in a bookstore. Um, Here's what he said. I know that I'm I'm not uh, really on the front lines like the healthcare professionals and grocery store workers and janitors out there doing the really dangerous stuff right now. Um, it, I feel lucky to be able to send books to people who may be stuck inside or maybe are still going to work and, and need something, something to take their mind off of what's happening when they get home. Uh, I'm just, yeah, trying to do my tiny, tiny tiny little thing that maybe is helping somebody um, feel something or learn something or just have a page to turn. I remember hearing that and I thought, I remember thinking like, huh, like, well, who are we featuring in this episode? Like, who's essential? Who's a frontline worker? And it it made me, I, I really liked that set of questions that it made me ask. Like, uh, who has to show up for work? Who wants to show up for work because they want to continue serving the people they serve? Like, just how is our whole economy organized? Like, it, it led to me thinking about a lot of things about um, whose safety and health was being protected, whose wasn't. Yeah. And also, how do we sort of prioritize what our needs are? Because, you know, there's the sort of 
very obvious set of things like food and medicine that people are, are going into work to provide us with. And then Jackson talking about people who also need an escape during this time. They need something to, you know, sort of give them a break from everything that's going on in the world. And I felt that very strongly. I've been doing a lot of reading, watching, listening this year. And I'm so grateful to people who are going into work so that I can keep doing those things. Yeah. I mean, I think that when I think about 2020 and what I've hoped the show has, uh, has has acknowledged is that like taking care of our mental health right now is like we are a lot of us are having to find new tools and find new coping mechanisms um because of the both the scale of the challenges that are coming at us and also that some of the coping mechanisms that we've relied on in the past are not available to us um and Mm -hmm. and that's what i think about when i think about like uh, the series you did with Amanda Clayman in our financial therapy series. I feel so proud about that because like that came at a time when I feel like a lot of our listeners were like, I have all this stuff, this feelings around money, and I have no idea where to put it. Yeah, I loved working on that series so much. And it was sort of serendipitous because we had been working with Amanda prior to the pandemic and we had an idea for a series already. And then everything sort of blew up and we realized this is actually more necessary than ever. And one moment that I really remember from that series that I've thought about a lot is in the episode that we did with a woman named Frenchie, who was talking about how to decide how much support, financial support she could give her family. Um, Let's just listen to a little bit of that. It's difficult to sometimes separate myself from being the one that always has to have it together because I also ask, if something happens to me, is anybody going to be able to support me? And right now, I feel like that answer is no. I just want to, I want to give that thought a moment. Because that is, that's a thought with a big feeling underneath it. Yes. Yes. I... I have a friend that recently experienced a um, health crisis where she had to get emergency surgery. And I keep thinking if I were to have one big emergency like that, there would be no recourse of support for me. That's a listener named Frenchie, along with financial therapist Amanda Clayman. I love that tape, Annabelle. Yeah. And isn't that something everybody is thinking about this year in different ways? Like, just how do you, it's sort of the the oxygen mask question on the airplane. How do you take mm. care of yourself? How do you take care of the people you love? You know, what's a good boundary right now? I, I don't feel like I have that figured out. And I, I really appreciated hearing someone articulate it like that. Mm-hmm. Annabelle, thanks for everything you've done this year. Oh, thank you. I uh, I wish that we had gotten to see each other in 2020, but I am... <laughs> Isn't that weird? The last, my last time I went to New York was December 2019. I haven't seen any of you in person this whole calendar year. It's weird. You should know I'm looking really great. (laughs) You can't see me right now, but I'm wearing the same pair of overalls I've worn basically every day since July. So (laughs) it's been rough. It's been a rough year. (laughs) 
You can find links to all the episodes we're mentioning here in the show notes. And there's also a link there to our pandemic toolkit. In that spreadsheet, you all told us what was helping you through this time when everything was changing. And we also talked about that with many of our guests this year. Afi Yellowduke is another producer on our team. Hi, Afi. Hi, Anna. Hi. And Afi, you produced a live show on Zoom that we did back in October that really hit on this. Um, It was with Tracy Clayton and Josh Gwynn, co-host of the great podcast Back Issue, where they talked specifically about what was bringing them joy during this miserable year. Yeah. For people who don't know, Back Issue is a podcast that dives into the sort of like memorable or cringeworthy moments in pop culture and does kind of like a behind the scenes look at how those moments came about. But in the taping, they talked a lot about how to sort of navigate comfort and mental health and self-care during the pandemic. And the way they've done that, which is very similar to their show, is through looking back at like the media and the shows that they're kind of nostalgic for it. So let's listen to that. I noticed that I was turning more and more towards characters that I already knew, that I didn't have to put the work into, like, getting to know. Um, Storylines that felt familiar, as opposed to, like, jumping into a new world. Like, that felt, like, impossible. Um, And so I found myself watching a lot of stuff that I loved as a teenager or as a as a kid. It was kind of like the overload of the pandemic this year really made it easier for them to go back to these shows from their past, from mm-hmm. their childhoods and their youth. Yeah. I love how you say that the overload, that's really what I heard them saying. Um, yeah. And the, and the way they talked about that was like, oh, this isn't just, this isn't like regression. This is going back to something that is like deeply comforting and deeply grounding when you go back to media that was with you when you were coming of age. Um, Afi, I have a question for you. What has been mm-hmm. the media that you've been surprised to see yourself going back to in 2020? What's been comforting to you? I uh, rewatched all of Gossip Girl <laughs> in the spring. <laughs> I did not know that. I did. <laughs> um, the other thing that I thought was really cool that Tracy and Josh talked about, like Tracy in particular, I hadn't thought before about how having depression and struggling with depression in the years before 2020 actually sort of helped her feel like she was set up with um, more coping tools than than perhaps others because she'd had to learn how to deal with when the bottom fell out and how to take care of herself. Here's Tracy talking about that. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be a breeze, you know? Like, I mean, I've been training for this. Like, this is my, this is my version of like a... Uh, what, are, what are those things that people do when they run a lot? A marathon. <laughs> I was like, this is my version of a marathon. <laughs> she also talked about, like, realizing that that sort of energy and that sort of sense of preparedness, like, only lasted for so long. Mm-hmm. And she shared a bit about, like, the ways she, like, made a certain, um, a part of her home, a place where she could find refuge. I just sort of thought about things that make me feel good like physically like I like really soft things I like I love oh my gosh gravity blankets um wait weighted blankets oh my gosh weighted blanket I think Josh has heard of them weighted blanket gang (laughs) Afi I just got a weighted blanket and I have to tell you it's the best thing it is the best thing 
I need to get a weighted blanket. I am jealous of everyone who has one. (laughs) (laughs) And this, of course, was just one of the live shows that you produced for Deaf, Sex, and Money this year. It was something you developed a real specialty in. Um, You you also produced a a live conversation that was really one of my favorite interviews of the year with with the Nigerian writer Akweke Yemezi. Can you talk about, like, why you wanted to have them on the show? I've been a fan of Akweke's work since I read their debut novel, Freshwater. I think that was in 2018. Like Akweke, my dad is also Nigerian. Um, I did not grow up there, but um, it was really exciting to me to like be reading a like a queer Nigerian author. And it was really, it was really exciting to hear them kind of share their process into sort of like becoming a writer, how they almost didn't become a writer. But they also talked about you know how they're taking care of themselves this year and they actually recently bought a house in New Orleans and they talked about how um the garden that they are building out there has been a really special place for them working outside kind of puts me in a neutral space like I just kind of thought I can't actually meditate because I find it very irritating and frustrating to try and meditate. <laughs> but gardening is the closest I can come to it where I'm like, okay, I'm just listening to music. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just working with the land. I'm working with these plants and I can spend hours like that. Mm, I, I just love that. And Afi, something I think about that you were really involved in, in the show this year that I, I, an episode I really loved that I was not very involved in at all myself was what you did with our listeners who come from immigrant families talking about the conversations they've been having with their families this year. And I, I just wonder if you can, like, when you think back on making that episode, like, what sticks out to you about it? I feel like I was really, like, like so many people this year was really struggling this summer um, and was really struggling with how to talk about the protests and like how to engage with them. Um, and especially as not only a black person, but also someone from an immigrant family, like I was thinking a lot about how navigating the conversations that so many people are having about racism and politics in 2020 get complicated by the variety of identities that people hold, especially for people like me who are in immigrant families. So I was having these conversations with my own family and with my friends who were also from immigrant families. So I really was just curious about what our listeners were talking about. And how's your family group chat going? It's good. I feel like to, today it's been a little quiet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have like, um, we have an offshoot group chat. Oh. Um, that is, yes, uh, I'm revealing a separate group chat. That's um, just my siblings and I. Um and it's mainly like when we want to like plan things for my dad, they're like surprises. <laughs> so that dad has been very active because we're trying to figure out what to get him for Christmas. Well, this episode will come out after Christmas. So he will already have known what your plans were, but that you were plotting. Yes. <laughs> yes. The surprise will be revealed. <laughs> um, well, Afi, thank you for everything you've made. And thanks for being um, such a joy to work with. And um Here's to a new year. Here's to a new year. (laughs) (laughs) But before we turn the page to that new year, if you are making year-end charitable contributions in these last few days of 2020, we hope you'll remember Death, Sex, and Money. 
Go to deathsexmoney.org slash donate, and you can see our thank you gifts there, including our new diner-style Death, Sex, and Money mug. If you decide to give monthly, $10 a month is our most popular level. You'll become a sustaining member of Death, Sex, and Money. And we have some fun plans for events and activities with members in the coming year. Give now at deathsexmoney.org slash donate. Thank you so much. Coming up, I talk with producer Katie Bishop, and we share some updates on a few of the people that we got to know on the show this year. Hi, Anna. My name is Stacey Bergworth, and I'm calling from Ottawa, Ontario. I recently became a sustaining donor almost five years since a friend insisted I would absolutely love your show. Clearly, he was right, and giving back to it was long overdue. I'm excited to be turning 50 next month, a birthday I wasn't confident I'd see after a very serious run-in with cancer when I was 41. I appreciate every episode of Death, Sex, and Money, but the ones that really move me are with people who have overcome deep pain and trauma. To a person, your guests are able to be open because you truly understand how to listen, and you make space for the truth, no matter how messy it can be. That is such a rare gift that you share with us, so I thank you. And I wish all your listeners peace and strong health in 2021. This episode is brought to you by Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he will chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Doug Sacra from Whalen, Massachusetts, and I gave this year to Death, Sex, and Money because I think you're exploring difficult subjects like how to reduce police shootings or how to have tough conversations with my wife. We really need to get better at having difficult conversations with people on the other side of an issue in this polarized society of ours. I think Anna Sale's empathetic way of asking the hard questions and listening really hard for the answers is a perfect start. Thanks for doing what you're doing. This is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. I'm Anna Sale. And in this episode, we are looking back at some of the things we've made in the last year at Death, Sex, and Money, what we've been through together, and how things are shifting slowly but surely as we look ahead to next year. I want to bring in our fearless leader, executive producer, Katie Bishop. Hello, Katie. Hello. First, Katie, I just want to tell you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank, for, you. thank you for everything you've done oh. during these long, hard months. Uh, Katie has been leading our team, all while also raising a two-year-old uh, and working out of assorted arrangements, home arrangements. <laughs> Well, thank so, you. It's been quite the journey. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, Katie, when you think about when you think about 2020 and the tape that we collected that sticks out to you, what do you think about? I mean, for me, 
the way I've always felt about working on this show is that the greatest joy comes from our listeners and from our inbox. And I have felt that more this year than I think I ever have. Um, And one of the episodes that we worked on, actually two episodes that we worked on that really come to mind um, are our skin hunger episodes where Mm. Uh, along with the team at the podcast Love and Radio, um, we asked people to tell us how they were feeling the lack of physical touch in their lives um, during the pandemic. And, you know, as usual, our listeners responded. We heard from a lot of people with so many different stories. Uh, We heard from a single mom by choice in Chicago. Her name's Lillian. And, you know, she wrote to us in the summer. Um, she'd been quarantining alone with her infant son. She was on maternity leave when the lockdown began there. And she was really feeling the lack of, she was feeling one directional touch, you know, toward her infant son and not yes. getting a whole lot back at that point. And luckily, you know, she talked about how her cousin, who she's very close with, had sort of let her into her pod to a degree. <laughs> At that point, you know, she described feeling a little bit like a side chick. It was sort of a secret arrangement. And, you know, I feel like that, I just think that probably resonated for a lot of people out there who were with infants um, during the early pandemic. You know, Katie, when we when we first asked that question, I thought we were going to hear a lot about sensual touch and the lack of sensual touch and missing that. And then to hear from a single mom about what it's like to give comforting touch and give comforting touch day in and day out to your young child and just to ache for it back. Oh, it felt so real. I just wanted, you know, in the way that Lillian had to figure out how to ask for that for people whom it wasn't their automatic obligation because they weren't, she wasn't in their household. Yeah. You know, we often stay in touch with the people that we have on the show. And I recently reached out to Lillian, sort of asked for an update And she sent us this back. My cousins have decided um, to incorporate me and my son into their household. So I do get to see them indoors and at their house. Um, And I no longer feel like a side chick, which is great. Um, That has been a huge relief for me to know that I have people that I can see on a regular basis. Um and see inside and, and have, you know, have that contact. It's really, um, I, I don't think I can emphasize enough how much that means for my sanity. I'm so glad she's no longer feeling like a side chick. And also that she has somewhere to go inside, you know, like it's gathering is different now in the winter. Um, the risks are even higher for figuring out who who you can feel safe gathering with. Um, yeah. And as someone with family in Chicago, gathering outside, not much of an option uh, in the winter months. So <laughs> really glad for Lillian. Katie, you, you do such a good job keeping in touch with the people we hear from. And also just like when you when you work with somebody on an episode and you're booking them for an interview, like you all make a, you really you really get to know each other. Um, one one other person that I think about a lot um, was a woman named Sharon, a listener who uh, is a certified nursing assistant who we first heard from when we did that 
episode about essential workers, about how people were feeling about having to go into work at a time when a lot of people were being told to stay home. Um, We heard from Sharon about her fears about her health. Yeah. I mean, after she sent that first voice memo to us, um, she told us later that it really made her realize how worried she was. You know, she was really concerned about getting sick and the possibility of, you know, not being there to take care of her daughter. Um, So she ended up making a lot of changes. She took some time off. Um, Then she worked with her supervisor to change her role at the hospital. Now she's working in an operating room where all of the patients she sees have been screened for COVID. Um, I think she feels just a lot more comfortable in that environment. And just recently, she sent in another update about what's happened in her life since we talked. Soon after recording on the podcast, I started seeing a therapist. My company is offering uh, a special program for its workers, which I completely took advantage of and has been helping me tremendously. I feel a little lighter about the situation. Well, I did. Um, Unfortunately, it feels like a slow decline again. The anxiety of not knowing what's to come in the next few weeks is starting to take its toll on me a little bit, but I'm trying really hard to stay positive. Sharon, we are thinking about you right now and all the healthcare workers that we got to know this year. And one other person, one last person that I think about when I think about someone I talk to about work and fearing getting COVID and what the consequences of getting COVID would be was Shelby Harris, the football player for the Denver Broncos, the NFL player who also uh, had health complications that made him particularly vulnerable, chronic asthma. Um, And since I talked to him in our Game Changer series about how athletes were making it through this year, he did test positive for COVID and and had some time off. What's going on there? He ended up being off the field for about four weeks, um, first because he was exposed and then because he did test positive. But he's been back on the field. Um, He's been playing really well. And there's, you know, renewed chatter about him scoring a really big contract again next year. So we'll see. You know, Katie, I did not expect to be checking the injured list from the Denver Broncos um, (laughs) when the NFL season was getting started, but I felt very personally invested and still do in in Shelby Harris's career and his health. Um, So Shelby, we wish you the best and hope your recovery keeps going and your season keeps going as well as it has been going. Yeah. Katie, thanks for talking to me about all this. And again, uh, it's so fun to make this show with you. And also, like, uh, I hope the listeners can hear the ways that you think about them and try to kind of take care of them and also can hear the way you take care of us as a team, because uh, this show would not happen if it were not for the way that you do your work and the way that you are. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. It's been quite, quite an amazing year working together. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there also have been moments, I will say, when I call Katie and she says, uh, I was just laying on the floor, just <laughs> taking some deep breaths. Yep. That too. That too. <laughs> that was executive producer Katie Bishop. You also heard producers Afi Yellow Duke and Annabelle Bacon. 
I also want to give a big shout out to our sound engineer, Andrew Dunn, who does all the mixing and sound design on our episodes and has managed to make our show still sound good, even though I have not been in a real recording studio since March. Thank you to Andrew and to Emily Botine, our benevolent boss, who has looked out for us all, always. And thank you for being along with us this year. If you can, please pitch in and join your fellow listeners in supporting our work. Your contributions make a huge difference, especially right now. Go to deathsexmoney.org slash donate and help keep our show going strong in 2021. We'll even send you a thank you gift like our brand new diner style mug. My parents donated earlier this year and recently got theirs in the mail. My dad told me it's his new favorite way to enjoy his morning coffee. Thanks, dad. And thanks to all of you for chipping in. We are not through this pandemic yet, but we will help each other through whatever's next. I wish all of you a happy and healthy new year. I'm Anna Sale, and this is Death, Sex, and Money from WNYC. (laughs) 